Saludos a todos. I'm Natalie and I'm here with Heavy Smile. Today's episode topic is Latinx in tech. Heavy Smile, would you like to introduce our guest? So today we have Michael Sanford. He graduated from UF in 2019 with a major in computer science. Um, and currently he works at Twitter as a software engineer. So thank you, Michael, for taking the time to speak with us today and talk about your experience being Latino in the, um, in the tech world. Can you tell me a little bit about how your journey began in undergrad and to where you're at now? Sure. So um, my journey with techs kind of started a little bit before undergrad. Um, I have kind of always been interested in tech and I kind of started exploring the field of computer science back in high school, actually. So fun story about this, Edismar and, actually, and I actually went to the same high school. So she's familiar with the fact that our school is very vocational. So I started off um, exploring computer networking through our school. Um, wasn't exactly for me, but it still kind of like pushed me in the direction of tech. And um, our school had a really heavy push towards doing dual enrollment classes. So I actually did a C++ um, dual enrollment class at our local community college and I fell in love with it. And unfortunately, our high school didn't really offer any computer science classes at the time. Apparently they do now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of, I had always kind of wanted to explore computer science and that kind of reinforced the idea that I wanted to do it. And I just kind of went for it in college and it just started there and I, I loved it. So definitely shout out to Miami Lakes Educational Center. That's where <laughs> the journey began. <laughs> What were some challenges that you faced? Um, are you a first-generation student at all? I am a first-generation student. So that was part of the challenge, right? Um, being a first-generation student, my parents actually never went beyond high school. So the whole college experience was super new to me, super new to my family. So I, I didn't have the support there that other students might have had. Um, and then I found a lot of students that were doing computer science had parents that were in tech or in engineering in some sort of capacity. So um, they kind of knew how to navigate it. They kind of knew what they, they needed to strive for in school. So for me, I was kind of going in blind, um, which kind of put me at a disadvantage. Um, I didn't know what when I should be getting internships. I didn't know how I should be preparing for these interviews. Um, and I was kind of just learning about it as I went through school. Um, and I remember it's like a lot of information and it's something like that you're kind of expected to know, like you're expected to know that you need to interview for computer science internships in a certain way. It's almost very standardized to the point that there's like a book that all computer science majors will swear by. It's called Cracking the Coding Interview. And we like we call it like the Bible of computer science because that book basically like teaches you. It's like an SAT book almost in the sense that it teaches you like the standardized way that um, these interviews will go. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a struggle to figure this out all on my own, right? Like a lot of people like came in already having this knowledge. So it definitely put me at a disadvantage. How did UF help with that transition or you trying to tackle the world of computer science? Did you find a home here at all or like mentors or friends that help support you as you strive for your dreams? Yeah, so I think my friends were definitely my biggest um, support system. Um, a lot of my friends were also first generation students, so they were kind of going through the same thing that I was and we would kind of like figure it out together. There's also a lot of um, online resources that we would use. Um, US computer um, science department, I feel like is still kind of building up to be better. So it wasn't exactly the support that I exactly needed at the time. 
So a lot of this heavy lifting was done by me and my friends. I remember I would just constantly be like searching for things and asking people because I'd have so many questions. It was, it was like so scary to go into this field and not really know exactly what I needed to strive for, what goals I should have, at least within undergrad. So in regards to like your undergraduate experience, what would you say were the biggest influencers in terms of programs, teachers, clubs? Interestingly enough, I would say they were like the non-computer science related ones. Most of my involvement when I was at UF was actually more focused on like the, the Latinx community. So I was involved with HSA. I did HHM. I honestly forget what year. I think it was 2016. It was my sophomore year. And that kind of like strived me to always kind of like put my best foot forward and kind of like have all these like amazing goals. I was also part of a Sigma Lambda Beta. So it was always nice to have my fraternity brothers kind of help me um, strive towards my goals. So I think those types of organizations were honestly like the ones that helped me the most because they kind of helped keep that motivation there and kept me striving towards accomplishing what I wanted ultimately. Can we reel it back to when you're nearing graduation and you're applying to jobs and you're just trying to decide what you're going to do next? How did you go from that to accepting a job offer at Twitter? Yeah, so so to kind of talk about that story, I have to reel it back even more to my first internship, actually, because it was kind of like a, a really awesome chain of events that led me to Twitter. So I um, my sophomore year, going into my um, junior year, I got an internship at Adobe, which was my first internship ever. Um, and that was an amazing experience. It was obviously really scary because it was my first internship. Um, but just kind of fast forwarding through that, I had applied to Twitter before I got Adobe, um, but I was still very early in my undergrad career. I think it was my freshman year and I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but while I was at Adobe, um, Twitter reached out to me that summer asking me to interview. And I was like, you know what? I think I have more experience now. Let me do it. Twitter's like a company I've always wanted to work for. And I interviewed and I got that internship for the next summer. So I was very lucky in that I already knew what I was going to do the next summer before that the previous summer had even ended. And then I, the following summer, I interned at Twitter. I loved it. Um, I love the feel of the company and it was kind of like everything I wanted. Um, and then Twitter has like a pretty good conversion rate with their interns. So soon after that summer ended, I got offered a full-time job with Twitter and I was still doing a job search, but it was so much less stressful because I already had this offer that was from Twitter. I mean, where else would you want to work <laughs> once you get an offer from Twitter? So one thing that I'm very curious about is what your work from home um, life is like being, you know, a software programmer um, for such a big company. Um, I'd like to know what a day in your life is like. So can you take us through that? Yeah. So it's honestly not super different from what it would be like in the office besides like all like the, the cool office perks that we have. But in terms of like what I do for work, it's very similar because um, software engineering kind of lends itself to working from home because you're on your computer all day anyway. Um, the only big difference is the meetings, but kind of like starting from the beginning of my day going towards the end. Um, in the morning, sometimes I'll have meetings. So with software engineering, you have meetings called stand-up and you usually do those like a few times a week or like every day of the week, but they're, very, they're meant to be very short um, meetings to kind of give like updates uh, about what you're doing, if you're blocked by anything, if someone on the team can kind of help you get unblocked. 
Um, and it's just kind of for everyone to get an idea of where everyone is with like what they're working on. Um, so that's usually kind of how I start my day. I also like will check my emails. Um, with software engineering, we do these things called code reviews. So your team members will post code that they've worked on and you review it to make sure that there's no bugs, that it's kind of optimized as much as it can be. And then you can give comments or you can approve it. So I'll usually try to do that in the morning. And then the rest of my day will usually be spent working on my projects, doing code reviews if I get requested by a team member to, to check their code because it, it needs to be unblocked so they can actually um, ship it. And then usually I'll have other meetings. I also do um, have a role within Twitter Alas, which is Twitter's Latinx BRG. So sometimes I'll have meetings for that as well, um, kind of like planning events or um, planning strategy for, for onboarding new um, tweeps. Tweeps is what we call our employees at Twitter. It's a funny name. Um, and yeah, as an engineer, your days are not as meeting heavy as other roles might be. Um, a lot of, a lot of our time is spent either, um, working with a team member on your code or just working kind of in isolation. Um, and a lot of times communication will happen kind of asynchronously through Slack. Um, so I'm curious to know how, um, your identity as, um, you know, as a Hispanic, what role that plays in the work that you do. Is diversity in technology or in the production of new technology or softwares, um, how is that important? And what roles have you tried to play in, in facilitating that? Yeah, so diversity in technology is super, super important, which is why a lot of companies are striving towards um, having more diversity in, um, in their offices um, right now. Um, my role is um, with with respect to diversity at Twitter um, kind of comes in the form of Twitter Alas, like I said before, or Latinx BRG. I serve as the onboarding and membership lead, so I kind of try to help make sure that tweeps find their home within Alas. Very similar to HLA, I like to think. I like to think about it in that in that lens because I always say, "Oh, it's like finding your home away from home." I'm like, "Oh, it's funny, funny parallel there between HLA and then this business resource group that I work." Um, on now. Um, so I do that. I also like to help with recruiting efforts for underrepresented minorities. I, I haven't been able to do as much as I'd like with that yet, because as a junior engineer, you're kind of still learning how to interview people to bring them into the company. But I had the pleasure of helping with a Mexico City, hire, Mexico City hiring tour that we did very close to when I started, actually. I think it was last November. Um, and that was awesome because I got to fly to Mexico City and I kind of helped with the interview process and helping the candidates feel comfortable because a lot of the people on the trip didn't speak Spanish. So I kind of helped with the candidate experience. So that was fun. Um, and I also would in the future, once I have more experience, I'd love to also help with mentorship um, because I've already found a good amount of Latinx mentors in the office or at the company. And I, I obviously want to give back because I know how helpful that was for me. Um, and I want to make sure that incoming um, new grads or incoming Latinx um, tweets feel at home, feel comfortable, have the support that they need. I think it's interesting that you draw the parallels between Twitter and US because that ties into like the culture shock, you know. Um, I don't work in the tech world, but I'm assuming there's still that gap in diversity especially since you mentioned that um, you've had friends that already had parents involved in the tech industry, engineering world. And the same applies to UF where, you know, it'll be generational. Oh, my great grandparents came here and met here and everything. So 
going into my question, how do you stay connected with your heritage and your Latino identities? Whether it was at UF or now while you're working at Twitter. Yeah, so in a sense, so speaking about culture shock, which you mentioned, um, when I got to UF, it was a huge culture shock because I came from Miami. Obviously Miami is super Latino. Um, Honestly, I always tell my friends here that it's basically a Latin American country, like unofficially, (laughs) because Spanish is basically the official language of Miami. Like you can go anywhere and expect people to be able to speak Spanish. And that's very unique in the U.S. Um, And then getting to U.F. and kind of seeing like um, demographics that more accurately maybe represent what the U.S. is actually like, that was a huge culture shock, right? Um, I was like, wow, I'm actually a minority. This is weird. And then going into the tech world, there's this term that we use called underrepresented minorities. Um, tech is primarily dominated by, or has historically been dominated by um, Asian individuals, um, white individuals, um, men, and underrepresented minorities are, are Latinx individuals, um, Black, um, Indigenous women. And these are all um, gaps that the tech industry is trying to fill, right? So going into into the workforce it's weird because i i look around the office and i don't see as many um latinos as i would like to see um and that's a big shock right because being able to have a community within um your job is important because it kind of helps you feel comfortable obviously we all do this thing called code switching which you do when you're kind of in an environment that you maybe you're not as comfortable in and you want to blend in and it's not something that we should have to do so that's kind of why for me, Twitter Atlas has served as such a, like, such a home away from home, like HLA, like I said before, because it, it helps me find my community. And it kind of helps me also contribute to working towards a more diverse tech industry, at least from, from the Twitter perspective. Can you describe uh, the specific work that Alas does in terms of events and outreach? Yeah, so Alas does all types of events, internal and external. A lot of our events are internal because they're met for, for sweeps. But we also um, collaborate with recruiting to kind of help um, find Latinx talent. For example, I was on a panel a month or two ago that was meant to recruit Latinx talent. And it was kind of an insight into what um, the Latinx leaders at Twitter's journeys have looked like, kind of to motivate and inspire um, younger Latinx talent. And it was really awesome. Um, I, I had the, the pleasure to obviously listen to it as well as I was on, I was, I was serving as the moderator for this panel. And it was so um, inspiring to hear how um, these people had, had grown throughout their career and how they had such um, high positions in the tech world now. And they, they came from a similar background as me. That was, that was really inspiring. And I can see how it could be inspiring for other younger people as well. Did you have anyone that you looked up to um, in particular as you were, um, I guess, going through your career and going through the motions of undergrad? Did you have any like idea of who you wanted to become or what you wanted to represent in these spaces? So I can't say I had like a specific mentor in mind because obviously, like I said, the tech industry doesn't have the Latinx representation that it should have. So I feel like I just kind of had like this idealized um, this is repetitive, idealized idea <laughs> of what what kind of role I wanted to fill because um, I kind of like imagine what the tech industry should be like and I I kind of tried to think about how I could fit into it, right? So I 
I obviously wanted to be a software engineer, but I wanted it to be more than that. Like I wanted, I tried to think about how I can be a software engineer, but at the same time contribute towards the work that's being done to continue to diversify the industry. Something that we talk about a lot at Twitter and a lot of companies will say this too, is um, your company should represent the users that it serves. Um, and if you're familiar with Twitter, you know that Twitter has a super diverse user base. So it's super important that the workforce represents those users. So who's Michael Samper outside of the programming world? What do you do as a hobby? How do you stay entertained? Um, I know you made the transition from Miami to Gainesville to San Fran. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about like what your life is like there? Yeah. So um, one of the things I really love is about San Francisco is it has a super big food culture. Getting like really good produce, getting really good food here is awesome. Or it's really easy, sorry. And that for me is perfect because I love to cook. So one of my biggest hobbies here is, is cooking. Um, I, I have like access to so much awesome uh, ingredients here that I, I cook all the time. And in terms of like keeping myself connected to my roots, unfortunately, San Francisco lacks in the Caribbean Latino department. So you cannot find a cup of cafecito anywhere. And they might advertise it as Cuban espresso, but I'll tell you it's not it's not gonna taste right. Like it's just like made in like the style or it's inspired by Cuban cafecito, but it's not, it's not it. So I have my cafetera here in my apartment and I make my own cafecito. I'm actually drinking cafecito right now. Um, and I'll like, I'll cook my Cuban dishes because there's like, I wanna say like one to one or two like decent Cuban restaurants here, but decent is like, Decent for San Francisco is like a three out of 10 by Miami standards. Like it's not good. People here will tell me that it's good. And I'm like, I taste it. And I'm like, this food is so bad. Um, and then aside from, from cooking, I San Francisco is very hilly, as you all might know. Um, and as a result, there's a lot of great parks here and a lot of good hiking trails and stuff. So that's kind of something that I've kind of grown to, to love since I moved here. Because you can't exactly hike in Florida. <laughs> So in terms of work freedom and motivation and inspiration, do you feel that your company has fulfilled its role in maybe inspiring you to do the work that it aims to do? Because you pointed out that Twitter would like to represent the people that it that uses the platform. So do you think you have an internal drive to actually do the work and do your best and go beyond the scopes of just doing the job itself? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's important that wherever you work, you believe in the company's mission. Um, so that's what Twitter has. One of Twitter's goals is to become the most diverse company in the world. Obviously, a super lofty goal, but it's exciting that we're even thinking about that. Um, so that, that gets me excited about my work. Um, we also have a mission towards having healthier conversations on the platform because there's obviously like a lot of abuse in, um, that happens on Twitter as well as other social media sites. So that's also something I'm excited excited about because I know how many people use Twitter as a news source, especially um, during the election, it was so pivotal. And you guys might've seen how we, um, we would label tweets that had misinformation. We would take down um, certain content. Um, and that's exciting for me because um, that's, I use Twitter in that in that context as well for news. So it's exciting for me to be working 
towards these goals and seeing that we're kind of addressing user feedback and kind of iterating on our product. So that's super motivating um, for me um, in respect to my work. Yeah, that's something that I wanted to kind of touch on is like what involvement you had with, um, I guess, the implementation of fact checking and making sure that people read articles before they retweet them, mm -hmm. um, which I appreciate a lot when, <laughs> as a journalism student, that people actually read the article before they retweet them. Um, so what role did you play in that? And what were the conversations like? Um, and what feedback did you guys get from users? Yeah, so my role in this was kind of indirect um, because I do work on our experimentation platform. So that means that a lot of the a lot of the tests that we ran to make sure that these features would work as intended and they were um, um, our users enjoyed the features or, or they were working as intended, like I said before, um, were run through the platform that I work on. So that was kind of like my indirect contribution. Um, a lot of the thought process that went behind um, these changes or these feature developments, I think we kind of detail in our blog. So if you're not familiar, Twitter has a blog that, that we have on our, I think it's like blog.twitter.com or something. And we, we kind of like post our thought process behind um, a lot of these major changes there. I know legal had a big involvement in this, obviously like our public policy teams, as well as our product facing teams. Um, and it was, it's kind of like a collaboration between these teams um, to figure out what, what features to develop for our users. Um, and this was obviously super user feedback driven. I think if you look at the blog post, they talk about how users had been requesting some sort of um, tracking for misinformation for a long time because it was so it's so prevalent on the platform. So the labeling was one of the was one of the features that they developed to address that. Did you also have a role in adding that feature? I guess it was like the little stories feature oh, that you now see on Twitter. Yeah, fleet. <laughs> What do we have to blame for the Twitter stories? Not me. <laughs> Once again, like I had an indirect role with that because any new feature that we work on goes through the experimentation platform, which I work on. So the basically the tool that I work on was used to test that out for like a select number of users. And now it's out to everyone. But originally we were testing it in certain regions um, to make sure that it would work as intended. So when do you get your blue check mark? <laughs> so actually, we don't we don't verify employees unless you're part of our um, leadership team. So I'll never get a blue check mark unless I become famous by my own right. <laughs> We're gonna have to advocate for that and fight for you. <laughs> so, what is some advice you would give to people or like um, Latinx um, individuals who want to? Uh, who want to tap into the computer science world and just be in these workplaces, um, what would be some word of advice that we would give them? Yeah, so my first major thing is to use your resources. So make sure um, you do a lot of research as to what's available to you. Um, you'll be surprised at how many resources there are, resources there are nowadays that are meant for um, underrepresented minorities in tech. Um, that are trying to kind of like close some of these gaps that I talked about earlier. So make sure you use those. I, one resource that I use that got me my internship with Adobe was um, jopwell.com, J-O-P-W-E-L-L.com. 
Um, and it's kind of like a job posting site for underrepresented minorities. And at least in my experience, it caused my resume to be um, viewed almost immediately versus like being thrown into like a black hole of resumes and never to hear back from the company ever again. Um, so that was super helpful for me. And there's a lot of websites like that. There's Code 2040, which I believe is um, a, a program for underrepresented minorities that kind of like gives you an internship experience with a major company as well as um, workshops and resources throughout your internship to kind of prepare you to work in the tech field. I personally didn't do that, but I have friends that were a part of that program and they loved it. Um, and yeah, there's a ton of programs, like I said, like this, you just have to do research. Yeah, and make sure you're um, working on personal projects and finding what you're excited about. That's like a great way to, to kind of figure out your career interests and for companies to see what you're interested in and where you could fit in in their company. So make sure that you're you're keeping yourself busy with those um, and kind of figuring out what you want to do eventually once you graduate. Um, one thing that I'm curious about is already um, computer science is a field that is hard to tap into as a Hispanic person, but also like maybe for a Latina, it might be even harder. Um, do you, have you seen or do you have friends who've had who've tried to um, go on this journey and like the, the challenges that they faced, um, how, how have you seen that manifest um, in the workplace that you're in? Yeah, so um, I know a few Latina engineers at Twitter and I know a lot of times like some of their struggles will be um, making sure that they're kind of listened to with the same attention as like their um, male counterparts, which is, which is not how it should be at all. Um, so kind of like establishing a lot of times women will have to kind of establish their um, what's the word I'm looking for. Like they'll have to prove themselves a lot more than men. So that's like one of the big challenges um, that we're kind of working to fix because like I said, there's no reason why why women should have to do that extra lift to make sure that they're seen as like a equal part of the team. Um, but luckily at at Twitter, at least, I haven't heard about this as much. This is kind of something you hear about in general. Um, but yeah, breaking in is also might be difficult, but a lot of these programs, like I said, that are meant for underrepresented minorities and target women as well. Um, I know Microsoft has, what is it called? Microsoft has an internship that you can apply to from your freshman year. Um, and an ambassador, an old ambassador, actually, Sabrina Vega, She's Latina and she got her first internship that way. And now she's working at Microsoft full-time and loving it. So there's, there's, there's ways to break in, but obviously it's, it can be hard, which is unfortunate. That, that kind of goes to show why it's so important to have like um, people who are willing to be mentors or people like breaking the, the mold and like paving the way for others, which um, I commend you for doing that. And for the journey that you've had going from Miami to Gainesville to San Francisco. So looking back now on the challenges that you faced being a first-generation student, um, how do you feel being at this point in your life where like you've achieved basically what you were fighting for? Oh man, you're like targeting my, my current insecurity. <laughs> it's really scary to be honest, at least for me. And I know another, a lot of other new grads feel the same way. It's really scary to achieve like all of these major goals that you've had throughout your life and then reach this point in your career that you like have been dreaming about for the longest because now you have to figure out what's next. 
And for a lot of people, that's not clear. It's like a big question mark and that's scary. Um, for me, I've always known almost like exactly what I wanted to do and it has kind of worked out. And now being at this point in my career where um, what's next might be like a promotion. It's scary because you have to start thinking about where you want to see yourself in five years. And it's not as obvious as it might have been when you were an undergrad, because maybe when you were a freshman and you're like, oh, I want to have a job. Right. But now it's like you have the job. Like, what do you want to do next? Like, what do you want to specialize in? Um, what kind of impact do you want to have? What types of um, what types of technologies do you want to work with? And that's scary because that's still something I'm figuring out. And I think what's important is to understand that that's completely normal. It's natural and like you should just take your time to figure out what you're interested in. And how do you validate yourself when you are in those moments of self-doubt? A lot of it, to be honest, is is like is friends. Um, I, I, I'm lucky to have made like a good group of work friends um, that started around the same time as me. So they're also new grads. And we kind of keep each other motivated. Like we'll, we'll have like these moments of doubt where we're like freaking out, having existential crises. <laughs> and then we just talk about it and we're like, oh, we all feel the same way. Like it's completely normal to feel this way and not know exactly what is next in the future. And that's completely okay. Um, I've also talked to some mentors that are maybe five years into, the, into their careers versus me being like one year in. And they'll tell me that um, where they are today is not where they expect it to be at all. Um, their career is not necessarily um, as linear as they expected it to be. It kind of goes in all weird kinds of directions and it just kind of works out. Um, it's just kind of like a, almost like a journey of self-discovery. <laughs> That's really encouraging to hear, um, considering I'm like graduating in a couple of months. <laughs> um, that I guess the journey into whatever career you aspire to have, like it's, it's not linear, like you said. And I think that's pretty inspirational. Is there anything else that you would like people to know or you would like to add? It's super easy, um, I guess with anything, but with engineering, I feel like engineering can be really tough. Um, it's really easy to feel like you should just give up, especially when the field is not um, made for someone that maybe looks like you or has your experiences. And I guess my advice is don't give up. Like. Um, there's like this pressure to give up because um, it's so much harder to break into for people like us. But um, once you do break through and you can like start opening doors for other people, it's so rewarding. And you'll find that it is it is meant for you. Um, it's just a journey to get there. We love to see, um, I guess, like people who share the same values or may not necessarily come from the same background, but kind of um, respect the hustle. like go through it and like come out the other side like um super humble and then looking back and wanting to take people with them on that journey so i really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to like speak with us and to whoever who might be listening that might find some motivation or inspiration from from your own journey and from how you've been able to cope and get through it um so i think with that being said that's the end of our podcast we'll see you guys next episode Bye.